the overall feel is that of a traditional 50s and 60s dive watch and yet there's lots of little details that mark your watch out as distinctly yours one one i particularly loved was that very distinctive yellow seconds hand which i'm looking at right now and that i believe is a is a tribute to those sort of yellow cranes that overpowered the Howland Wolf shipyard, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So the, those massive cranes, are, they're called Samson and Goliath, and they just kind of tower over the whole city, and you see them for miles around, and they're a real landmark and a Belfast kind of icon, um, and that was something we wanted to pay tribute to in a, a subtle and tasteful way. Our, our yellow seconds hand has kind of um, become our bit of our, our calling card, really, and it's something we're, we're well known for now. Are there any other particular details that you would pick out on the watch and say, well, this is something that we engineered in, um, which was inspired by that, or which recalls this? Welcome to the Watch Gecko channel once more, and I'm delighted to be joined by another very special guest today, Peter McCauley, who is the founder of Nomadic Watches. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for having me, Anthony. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. We're going to be chatting with Peter today about his watch brand, about watches in general. I've had the uh, good fortune to be uh, wearing his watch for a little while. I've really enjoyed wearing it, and I'll talk about some of my adventures with it as well. But first of all, Peter, give us a little bit about the background to the company. Now, I was reading all sorts of uh, about the heritage of the company in Northern Ireland, about the connection with the Harland and Wolf shipyards, which, of course, famously built the Titanic, and about the nomadic name. I mean, it's a great story how did it all come together yeah yeah thank you uh, so yeah nomadic is a, a as you've said a, a luxury watch brand from from belfast and we've tapped into a lot of the rich history of, of belfast uh, which is, is is quite famous for shipbuilding and a, a number of other kind of heavy in, industries so there's quite a, a legacy of craft and innovation in the city and we really wanted to tell that story through our our timepieces so the name nomadic uh, actually comes from the ss nomadic which was the tender ship to the titanic so it was a one quarter size replica of of the titanic that was used to ferry uh, first class passengers to and from uh, the titanic and and it's now been converted into a museum and is is um, situated in in hamilton docks in belfast so you can you can kind of it's the last remaining ship of that era uh, and it's been beautifully restored and and i used to work in the kind of docks area and I would walk past that ship uh, you know almost every day and I kind of that was where I got the inspiration for the name of Nomadic so it, it, it ties into our, our our Belfast roots but at, at the same time it's it's a name that kind of stands on its own as quite a just an adventurous rugged uh, name and that's what I really wanted for the for the brand. No one or very few people are born into a watchmaking family how did you start off your career and what made you decide to sort of follow this dream and turn it into a reality? Watches was something I was always quite passionate about. My dad and my uncle had a few nice watches, and when my uncle passed, he left me a few nice watches, and I was maybe a bit too young to appreciate them. But I, you know, uh, ended up wearing one of those watches on a, a kayaking trip. Yeah, you know, this will be fine. It's you know made for this kind of thing. And uh, anyway, the 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 watch came off my wrist and got lost um, forever. So that was kind of a bit heartbreaking, and it, it kind of. When I came later, <coughs> years later to, to start the, the brand, I, I, I kind of thought about that and was, you know, if, if I was going to create a brand, I wanted it to be something that you wouldn't need to feel too precious or worried about if you were going to go and do something adventurous. It's something that would be built to withstand anything, but also, you know, not at the price point, which uh, would be an absolute, you know, devastating if, if you did sort of lose it or the worst should happen. Uh, so that was where I wanted to, to, to put the brand and, and that was really where my 
love of watchmaking kind of started was was with my my dad and when he I think when I was a boy and he told me about mechanical watches and how there's no batteries and that just kind of was totally blew my mind and I was really fascinated by that and uh, my career was in mechanical engineering so I worked in, in mechanical engineering and, and manufacturing for a lot of years so um, producing uh, like aerospace components and uh, railway components and things with really tight tolerances and I kind of specialized in difficult to make things so the, the kind of transition to watchmaking was was kind of quite natural there for, for me and in, in terms of the, the technical side but the 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 whole area that comes around with with with, with building a, a business with the uh, sales and marketing that was a whole new area for me and a whole new challenge and something I've really enjoyed. I love stories such as uh, yourselves, Peter. Well, you have people. I mean, it sounds like uh, you had a nice, secure, safe career. Your trajectory, your path was marked. And <laughs> then one day you decide to risk it all and just follow this 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 dream because of course, yeah. you never know how it's going to go work how it's going to work out, do you? That's it, yeah, and, and and you know we we had just had our um, our first little boy, and and he was you know uh, less than a year, I think, when I started to to to, to um, work on Nomadic, and that was maybe not the best timing wise, but I think there's never there's never a good time. And then when I decided to go, you know, I, initially it was a kind of a part time side project for me, and I wasn't sure if people were really going to like our watches or or, but luckily they they did, and they've they've absolutely loved them, and that gave us the confidence to go full time at it, and. Timing wise, to go full time, my my daughter was just born. She was about four weeks old, so my wife was kind of like, "Why, why, why are you doing this right now?" But it's 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 worked out uh, really well, and it's uh, whenever you can give something your full focus, it, it's it's kind of amazing how, how much you can do with it. I've been wearing your Marai. Have I pronounced that correctly? Marai is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say yeah, Marai. Some people say Mari. So it depends maybe where where you're regionally from, but like, yeah. So, right. So I'm going to call it the Mare because I like that name. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me like the Italian word for sea, which is Mare. So that sort of fits yeah. in quite well. Yeah. So, um, it's, so it's, it's the it's actually the Irish word for seafarer. Now I would say it's sort of um, inspired very much by what I would call the sort of traditional canon of dive watches from the 50s and 60s. Were were these sort of watches that you mentioned that you were growing up with and that sort of maybe subliminally or not sort of inspired you to create what you have as your first collection? I think those kind of classic timeless pieces were were the ones that always kind of spoke to me and I, I think when you're when you you know you have a luxury watch it is something that's going to last for for generations so I think that having a a very classical timeless design is is something that's quite important and that was important to me and when I was designing the watches initially I used to go to the Titanic Hotel which was the former drawing offices of, of Harland and Wolf the shipbuilder so I, I just kind of sat in there and soaked up some of the atmosphere and and a lot of that was very much less is more and I think that helped me just to really kind of pare back some of the ideas and initially it was you know maybe a very cluttered and, and um, trying to pack every feature into the watch and, and I think uh, as, a, as a designer the hardest bit is to actually just pair things back and, and, and keep things simple. And there's a sort of like a personal connection for you, isn't there, in terms of uh, how, how how sort of like the sea has, has played a part in your, your life? Yeah, definitely. So so my, my family have always been, you know, around the sea and on, on, on boats. And my dad is, is a really passionate fisherman. And, and actually, you know, a few years ago, my, my dad and my brother were sailing from, from Liverpool to Belfast and, and their boat suffered a catastrophic failure and began to sink. And this was in the middle of the night in a storm and luckily they were able to radio through to the the RNLI and they launched a lifeboat crew from the Isle of Man um, and you know the boat had completely sunk under the water and, the, and uh, they were just left 
bobbing around as a tiny little head in, in the middle of the, the ocean and somehow through you know the incredible skill of, of those guys and their their amazing equipment they were able to find them and rescue them and and so the the rnli as a charity were really quite passionate about and wanted to try and support as much as we can so last year instead of doing like a, a black friday sale or maybe giving someone a bit of discount off a watch i think uh, we thought it was much more meaningful to actually donate 10% of our sales to uh, the RNLI. And uh, I think the, the opportunity to help in, in some small way to, to save lives at sea was much more meaningful for us than to do a, a sale or a promotion for for um, Black Friday. So that's something we're going to continue to do. And it's something we're, we're uh, really proud to be able to support. And uh, I think not a lot of people know that maybe that the RNLI is, is actually a completely charity funded or organization it's not you know like the 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 fire service or the or the police that are sort of government funded these these are all purely reliant on our uh, donations to, to function and it's um the work that they do is just incredible so it's it's great to be able to support that and i think so many of our clients are seafarers or use their watches in around water and you just never know when an accident can happen and you might find yourself in in, in need and it's great to know that those guys will be there to to rescue us it's incredible so those guys well they saved their lives really i mean it sounds like it could have yeah. had a very different ending had they not been absolutely, there absolutely yeah you know I, th- I think once once you're in the water you know your your odds of survival just rapidly exponentially go towards zero and um to yeah to be able to find find someone in the, in the sea at night is is just incredibly challenging and and um yeah i'm eternally grateful to, to those guys that, that were able to, to do that. Yeah, that's a truly fantastic course and uh, such a great one to support as well. Now, uh, Peter, as well as the sort of like seafaring and shipbuilding tradition with the Highlander Wolf connection, sort of the overall feel is that of a traditional 50s and 60s dive watch. And yet there's lots of little details that mark your watch out as distinctly yours. One one I particularly loved was that very distinctive um, yellow seconds hand, which I'm looking at right now. And that, I believe, is a, is a tribute to those sort of yellow cranes that sort of overpower the uh overpower the Howland wolf shipyard isn't it yeah that's right yeah so the those massive cranes are they're called samson and goliath and they just kind of tar over the whole city and you see them for miles around and they're they're a real landmark and a belfast kind of icon um, and that was something we wanted to pay tribute to in a, a subtle and tasteful our yellow seconds hand has kind of um, become our bit of our, our calling card, really, and it's something we're, we're, we're well known for now. Are there any other particular details that you would pick out on the watch and say, well, this is something that we engineered in, um, which was inspired by that or which recalls this? I think the, the thickness and of the watch was something we, we, we tried to make a very slim line and very uh, sleek. And I think that was just kind of inspired by that design language of, of the kind of early shipbuilding and in terms of just making everything you know, there's nothing superfluous on there. It's, it's all um, functional, but it's it's all um, you know not too not too cluttered and not too busy. And just even getting the size of the the fonts and the text just right so that they're they're quite small and not too in your face was something we spent a lot of a lot of time over. And of course, to give the watch its full name, it's called a Marai Four Hundred One, and there's a significance in a Four Hundred One as well, isn't there? The Four Hundred One is a little is our little nod to to Titanic, which is kind of maybe the the greatest engineering feat um, from, from from Belfast. Ultimately, a, a extremely tragic end, but the the engineering of the the ship itself at that time was was groundbreaking. Um, so Four Hundred One is reference to it was the the four hundred first ship to be built in in Harlan and Wolf, so it. Was was um, that was its production run number, and that's that's the production run number of our 
of our watch as well. The one example I've been wearing is um, is a green watch. I think green works very well, not just because it's a classical colour for a dive watch, but it also probably means a lot to anyone who's living in Ireland, doesn't it? It's the, it's the, it's the national colour yeah. and it reflects a lot of what the country's heritage is about. Yeah, definitely. For me, the, the green, was it, it's it's our bestseller and it's, um, I think, it's just the strongest colour in our range. I think it looks, it just works really well and it's not... It's not too bright. It's not too loud. It's it's quite a subtle green. It almost looks black in in a lot of lights, uh, but when the sun kind of shines onto it, you really see that pop of green, and I think it just looks looks fantastic. It's really interesting. Now, there's not been many watchmakers in Ireland. I mean, it's not exactly sort of Switzerland, is it, when it comes to building watches? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's something we're we're here to change. <laughs> so yeah, we're not we're not exactly uh, famous for. For watch building, um, there there are a few uh, watchmakers in Ireland, but there's not they're not super well known, and, and there's not very not very many of us. So I think it's again something a little bit more unique as well for, from our point of view, and it's it's uh, I think nice to be able to represent uh, represent the island on the kind of global watch uh, uh, stage. You have formed quite recently the Marais, your first watch collection. Where yep. is it going from there? What will we be seeing next and how has the family of watches grown and what will we be seeing in terms of inspiration and design language in the future? We're working on building out the range in the future. We're going to be bringing out a, a GMT and a chronograph and we'll kind of stretch that, that range out a, a little bit as well and then we're also working on a field watch kind of a explorer style uh, watch and, and, and that's going to be our, our next watch which will be coming this side of Christmas uh, certainly anyway and that's going to be called the Turas 9 um, so Turas is the Irish word for expedition and 914 is, is a little reference to the uh, 1914 Transantarctic expedition um, where guys like um, Ernest Shackleton and Tom Crane and, and this band of guys went down to try and um, cross the Antarctic but ended up getting trapped on the ice and stuck there for uh, a period of two years and it's become one of the greatest stories of survival kind of ever and I think it was just such an incredible inspiring story that I wanted to theme our, our next watch around that and kind of pay, pay tribute to that. What's great is that you're building your family around landmark achievements and landmark events um, and engineering which I think is exciting. And I guess too Nomadic is not just the name of a ship, but it's probably the spirit of adventure, of travel that you want people to experience with your watches. Yeah, that, that, that's it. You know, it's, it's it's the spirit of adventure. It's it's that kind of ruggedness, that outdoorsiness, and that's that's kind of what we we want for our watches and for people to to who wear our watches is to you know to feel confident to wear it, traveling to somewhere far flung and, and you know not need to feel too too precious or worried about it and um, that's that's exactly what we're we're all about it's what it's what i'm kind of about I, I love to travel i love to do you know adventure sports and um, a lot of cold water swimming and all that kind of thing and, and i always wear my my watch with with me for that and i think it's you know that's that's what the watch should be have there been any other good sort of uh, travel stories which you watch that that you've come across now I, i've worn it to paris i've worn it to dubai um where, where else has it got to uh, yeah, well, we, we, yeah. So we actually have a. There's a nomadic in 32 countries across the world. So, uh, yeah, the, the growth has been pretty, pretty incredible. And we, we have, uh, I think, maybe the furthest ones were in. There's one in Tokyo. There's one in South Korea. Um, there's some in uh, Santiago and Chile. Um, and yeah, kind of. I think we've. I think we've got to watch in every continent except for Antarctica yet. So that's coming coming soon. Coming soon, absolutely. Well, sort yeah. of uh, your, your your Shackleton watch uh, that would be a perfect place to take it to, wouldn't it? Yeah, 
Will we be seeing more watches on the on the shipbuilding theme? I mean, I remember, I don't know if you heard of it, a while ago there was actually a watch which I believe it had a bezel or some metal in it from the Titanic itself. Yeah, I, I, I read about that watch and seen it. Yeah, I thought that was really um, quite interesting, quite unique. And I think, um, I'm not sure if we'll go down that route of using you know the materials and, and things from from some of these historic events we um something we, we might look at but yeah definitely we'll, we'll we'll sort of be building out our our range across um always linked in with with some kind of unique story or or yeah i think that's quite important because for me i think you know a watch i always say a watch doesn't really just tell the time it tells your story and i think that mm. watch is something you should feel proud of and you should feel you know you want to talk about it and tell people about it when someone asks you, oh, what's that watch you're wearing? You can say, well, it's this, and you've got a whole kind of story to, 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 to go into and tell someone about it. And I think that's um, that's what makes a watch interesting and unique. It's, it's such a personal item that, it, for me, it wants to have something, some sort of personal connection, something you can you can believe in. What, what I find really uh, interesting about your story, Peter, is that it sounds to me that like almost like this whole journey was inspired by the watch that you lost. When uh, when you were kayaking and thinking, well, you know, how heartbreaking is that? And this should never happen again. And um, yeah, can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that watch? Because although that watch is no longer with us, it, it really is probably yeah. it's thanks to that that this all happened, isn't it? It was a Tag Heuer. Um, and I, I don't remember exactly what watch it was. I was maybe a bit too young to kind of appreciate it or, or understand maybe quite how, how nice it was. But um, it was probably more the... The sentimental connection that it was it was my uncle's watch and and i think uh you know as a as a teenager you don't really maybe appreciate these things you think everything you think you're indestructible you think everything's indestructible and you can just go and kind of be, be reckless and, and yeah i think to, to have lost that at the time was was um was a bit devastating but it was kind of as i as i matured and got got a bit older and reflected on it that i was like yeah you know that really was a I really was a shame, and I, w- I wish I was able to still have that that watch and, and that connection. What would you say um, are the, um, the? There's a few sort of like dive watches around. What are the things that make your watch unique? What makes it stand out? I think in terms of our yellow seconds hand, I think is something that's quite unique, and it, it really kind of stands out and gives the watch a little bit of character. I think from a, a kind of technical point of view, it, the sizes and dimensions of it, I think, are just perfect and it, it's nice and slim line so you know if you're you're wearing a shirt it's it's you know it slips under your cuff relatively um, comfortably and but it, it equally works pretty well with with the wetsuit and i think from that point of view that that's what kind of gives our watch its its character but i think probably a, a, as much as anything it's it's really the it's really what the watch represents and, and what it what it means to to you as the, the the individual kind of wearing it. How big are you as a company? Obviously, you started it yourself. Um, what sort of scale yeah. are we talking about? You moved into a new HQ, I believe. Yeah, so we've actually just opened our first um, HQ in Belfast. So we've got some some picture frames to hang later today, and then that's, that's kind of we're nearly we're nearly there and setting that up, and that's going to be our kind of boutique retail experience as well as our watchmaking hub. So so. You know, local manufacturing is something I'm obviously really passionate about, and, and having worked in, in manufacturing for for so many years, and I think that the the skills and um, talents are here, and, and we want to really utilise that and tap into that. So that's why we're, we're moving all of our watch assembly to Belfast, and and I'm really excited about you know building our watches here in Belfast, and we're we're building out our kind of state of the art watchmaking and, and assembly facility um, in our in our new HQ, and that's that's something I'm really excited about, and and uh, 
it's going to be our, our testing home as well. So, you know, all of the, the pressure testing and all the timing and, and accuracy testing is all going to be done there as well under, under one roof. So that just gives us so much more control over the quality and, and, um, so much more. It just, it just allows us to do a lot more with in terms of the watches and making, making sure how quality is there. Anyone who's living in Belfast or visiting, they'll be able to drop in and buy a watch, have a look around, see how it all works. Yeah, you can drop drop in, um, try them on, ha- have a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes and see how they're how they're being made, and uh, yeah, try them on. So that's uh, just located right in the city centre, uh, beside the city hall in the, the Scottish Provident Building. So um, yeah, at the moment it's just you know book an appointment, just get in touch with us to book an appointment. But um, as as we we uh, get more established, we'll have that just kind of open to, to, to walk-ins and everyone can come in and enjoy a nomadic watch. Great. It sounds like there's big plans, but how do you make, um, in your view, that transition from sort of micro-brand where, where a few people are to something that's a lot more yeah. of a household name? For me, it, it, you know, building our watches here in, in Belfast, I think, is, is a big step. And I think that's something that, you know, to, to, to actually build your watches in-house, not, not through a, a third party, is something maybe not like a lot of brands can do or, or are able to do and I think when you start to reach that stage and obviously we're not quite at kind of uh, Bremont's levels just yet but I think I kind of look look up to those guys and what, what they've done for for uh, British watchmaking and, and want to kind of really follow in those footsteps in terms of how we um, build a real credible long-standing um, watch brand and I think that you know the, the guys at Bremont have done a, a fantastic job and, and that's something that we want to kind of uh, emulate with with our um, strategy to becoming a I don't know how you I guess from micro brand to established brand or you yeah. know big boy brand I've had the sort of pleasure to talk to um, Nick and to Giles on a few occasions at Bremont and uh, what always strikes me is that they're very very good at um, at storytelling aren't they so you know each yeah. watch seems to yeah. have a reason um a good partnership behind it and a strong story to support yeah. why it's there um, yeah. and to hang yeah. together in a very cohesive way and i guess that's sort of that's that's really the key isn't it to give each watch a clear reason for existing and to give people that's a story it, yeah. that people want to buy into and be part of that's it you know i think there needs to be a reason for every watch and i think uh that that's something that's quite important to me and quite important to us so i think um yeah we'll, we're just going to continue to to do that and, and and bring people stories that they can connect with and, and and um you know be excited to talk about and tell how important is the sort of northern irishness to to the brand i mean we talk about British watchmaking and Swiss watchmaking, but how how important is is the region when it comes to the way that you yeah. sell and market your watches? It's incredibly important. So we're we're in a very unique position being being from Northern Ireland. We're not only part of the UK, we're also part of Ireland, and, and we're also part of the EU single market. So that allows us whenever we're selling watches uh, within the EU that we don't have to you know go through the same levels of red tape that our kind of British counterparts do and, and we, we you know we don't have to charge any additional taxes um, to, to, to sell into the EU so that's something that's really quite unique about Northern Ireland and its position and, and I think there's there's lots of negative points and in, in certainly in, in Belfast history and Northern Ireland's history and, and with 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 conflict but I think modern Northern Ireland and modern Belfast is really about coming together and it's a it's a real kind of melting pot of, of, of cultures now and it's something that's i think nomadic we're you know we're quite pr- proud to be british and irish and northern irish and from belfast and i think we're we can be all of those things and and, and that's something that i think is is really quite unique about our our position and i think that's the way a lot of i guess the younger generations from from northern ireland are kind of thinking in terms of their politics so it's, it's quite an interesting place to be i've always thought that whatever for example your views are on 
Brexit, there is an opportunity in Northern Ireland, isn't there? Because you know we we're obviously here at WatchGecko. We're 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 selling watches all the time. There's a huge amount of uh, bureaucracy and issues with selling yeah, to Europe. Yeah. But Northern Ireland, I've always thought you, you've you've got to some extent the best of both worlds at being able to sell into the EU without any problems and being able to sell into Britain without any problems. Now you obviously. Um, founded a company. Are you designing the watches yourself? How big a team is there? Or, or are you just basically doing everything? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're now starting to kind of grow the team out a little bit more. So yeah, initially it was, you know, pretty much all me, but I, I've always worked with um, with a team of, of designers and, and um, engineers as well. So so I do a certain amount of it. And then I have a, a designer called Mark Boskett that I work with, who's um, an incredible local designer. And he, he really helped us to refine the brand and refine some of the the, the, the finer points um, and then from there yeah so so my my wife's in the business we're, we're hiring our first two or three kind of key employees to come into the business and then we work with a few kind of local agencies and and um, global agencies as well so it, so it's it's a kind of ever evolving and growing and expanding team and it, and it makes for quite an exciting uh, way to do business in the kind of um, modern day absolutely now there's lots of people who would love to do what you have done and dream of founding their own watch brand um what, what advice would you you give to these people we, we we hear from people all the time saying oh i want to found my own watch brand what do i what do i do what, what would you say to, to all those people it's an incredible journey it can be incredibly rewarding but it's not easy and i think you need to Make sure you have your eyes open and know exactly what you're getting yourself uh, in for. I think when it, when you come to start your own brand, I think there's a tendency to, to to think that when you create this new product and you love it so much that everyone else is going to love it too, and it's just often not not the case. And I think I think just spending time on figuring out who you, who your customers are and who your clients are is um, invaluable. And once you you get a lot of key insights into um, how you can actually bring a watch to market and not just create an incredible technical piece because obviously there's a lot of engineering to go into but it but it's so much more so much more than that as well so i think just having to think about who exactly your your target market is and, and how you can help them and serve them is really probably the biggest advice you know i think when you create a any business but you know particularly for, for me with with pneumatic it's it's a real privilege because you're creating something that's ultimately going to go to uh, a client and and be with them for the rest of their life and it's going to become a part of their life and that that's a privilege you know to, to give someone a, a gift like that uh, so you have to kind of take it quite seriously and make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons to actually enhance people's lives and, and, and serve them with with a tool that they can they can really enjoy there's a question i always like to ask people who sort of started their own businesses maybe a slightly unfair one a year in or so or two years in is what would you have done differently i would have went full-time earlier i think trying to juggle it as a side project and and uh still maintain a, f a full-time career and um being a parent as well was in hindsight maybe a bit too much and uh, i think it was yeah probably pretty close to, to burnout at one stage and i think uh if i had have had the confidence to commit to it a bit earlier i think we would maybe uh, be a little bit further along with our journey but you know that's 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 kind of just the way the way things go and i'm, I'm i probably wouldn't really change too much about how it all worked out and, and so far it's um, 
you know we're still we're still very early days but i'm i'm just pleased to see that the feedback from you know yourself as a as a, a watch expert to, to get the that you know your hands on our watch and and love it is just incredible to me and from from all of our clients as well across the world when you get those five star reviews and people emailing you to thank you for for you know this incredible watch that they have it just that's what um really made me know that we have something here that the people love and we can we can do something with this are we going to see the brand on the road at various watch shows i know there's a huge sort of community that follow red bars and follow all sorts of watch shows all over the world from america to the uk um how, how are you planning to get it out there we probably will do a few more uh, in-person kind of watch shows and it's not something we've, we've kind of done uh, so far but i think if we can um, find the right ones in, in in the uk and in america that we, we would love to be there and i think uh, there's there's a few watch shows and fairs that i've kind of got my eye on and it's just uh seeing if we can get the get the invitation to to go across so yeah absolutely well i'm sure sort of like people will uh, be absolutely keen to, to to see what you come up next um you mentioned the shackleton watch have you got anything else further down the line that you're thinking of yeah well that, that's really kind of been our, our main focus um for now and, and the uh gmt will probably be our, our next watch but it's very early stages of, of development so we haven't haven't really got anything i can share with you there um but yeah we're just we're just always going to be moving Moving forwards and innovating and trying to trying to bring new watches to, to people. So yeah. What is your favourite watch story of your own from your watches that you've worn? Did you have a particular moment where you took your watch to one place or saw a particular detail and you thought, yes, this is what I really wanted to experience? Um, good question. Put you on the, I think, put you on the spot. I realise. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the most uh, surreal kind of watch moment for me was when I was at I was at an event and I just went you know went up to the bar and had, had ordered a drink and the guy beside me you know ordered his drink and he, he went and he grabbed his pint and I looked at his wrist and I was like hang on a minute that's a that's a pneumatic and, wow. and I kind of got got chatting to him then and it was the first time I'd actually seen someone else out in the wild that I you know hadn't known or you know set up or anything and it, it was that was pretty pretty surreal for me to see someone someone actually wearing our, our watch out, out and about and uh, that, was, that was probably the yeah the, the most um, the, the coolest place i've seen it that must be quite special yeah it was it was really surreal uh, it, was, it was great to, to to catch up with him then and have a bit of a chat so he'd taken on a, a cruise around the world and he was you know talking to all these other people and they were really interested and i think that's something that people seem to you know when they when they have our watches you know they sort of join our our community and i think people get really passionate about them then and, and sort of spread the word about them a little bit so it's it's great and it sounds like you're not shy about putting your watches through their paces yourselves i mean are you still doing kayaking and you mentioned cold water swimming that sounds horrendous yeah it's cold, <laughs> cold, yeah cold water swimming is something i've kind of really got into over the last year it was something uh, i've got one question uh, why <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know. Well, I, th I think there's a few good reasons for it, and, and you know, partly it actually has some incredible health benefits for for not only your your mood and your mental health. It, it actually boosts your your serotonin for a period of of uh, up to like a day or two days, even after you've kind of had some cold exposure. It's also really good for muscle recovery. Uh, but for me, it's just really good to get out there and clear the head. And when I can, you know, I, I live right on the coast. I, I can walk to the sea in, in, in five minutes. And I love just kind of walking down to the sea, getting in the water, spending some time there. And uh, in the winter, I'll maybe do 
six or seven, eight minutes. In the summer, you can kind of do 15, 20 minutes. For me, it just really gives you a boost to your day. And when you know that you're starting the day having done something really difficult, and even when you really don't want to go in and you don't want to do it because you're like, oh, this is so cold. Why am I doing this? You push through and you do it. And then you know that the rest of your day is going to be uh, probably pretty easy because you know you've already faced a, a significant challenge and, and come out the other side. And it's about training your brain and training your body to to just respond when you want it to, not just on a whim of, I don't feel like it. It's, well, no, we're going to do this and we're going to push forward and we're going to feel better after it. And, and uh, yeah, it just feels great. So uh, once you get into it, you kind of get hooked. That's incredible. When you say cold water swimming, how cold are we talking? Yeah, well, just just kind of the sea um, here. So I, so I know a lot, of, a lot of guys would do like ice baths and stuff and um, – having kind of gone to, to ice bath kind of level it's maybe something I'll, I'll, I need to actually do because in the, in the summer the water's not really cold enough but yeah I think it, it, even even if on the days when I can't get to the sea I'll just have a cold shower and just turn the turn the temperature down as kind of cold as it'll go so uh, maybe not quite that's um what's the guy called Wim Hof uh, the ice man you call they call him uh, he does all this kind of in in the, the arctic regions and and um extreme snow and tip storage maybe not quite at that level but yeah just just as cold as i can get it so what's the best technique tiptoe into the water or throw yourself in yeah for me it's just maybe wade into my waist splash a bit of the water get psyched up and then just just go i think you just got to jump in uh, that's the that's the best way for it but it's uh, invigorating and, and i think it's actually becoming like it seems to be becoming really on trend right now i keep seeing uh, you know people doing this kind of everywhere and they all have their designer dry robes and stuff to, to come out of the water in and stuff so um, yeah it seems to be getting getting a bit more mainstream fantastic but your watch will always be with you when you do this yeah and that's the that's the beauty of it you know i set the bezel timer it's so quick and easy to to do and, and it's it's there I, I wear it straight into the you know salt water is um fine with these watches and, and certainly not not precious with the, with the watch i just use it for what it's it's kind of made for that's great because i think there's nothing that's sort of uh, more upsetting is when you see sometimes some very sort of expensive watches and people just sort of keep them in their boxes and maybe bring them out for special occasions or polish them from time yeah. to time and they're never really seen um it's you know yeah like having a, a ferrari which is never driven or something like that yeah yeah yeah, I think I think that always seems a bit of a shame, and I think there's a time and a place for 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 that in, in your collection. But I think it's it's nice to have some pieces that you can actually use and and actually, um, you know, get the benefit of and then feel the pleasure of. Yeah, so never say never, but it sounds like you're not really going to be producing anything like a dress watch in the future. No, never never say never. I think you know when you have a a watch collection, I think it's it's something you, you need the right watch for the right occasion. And I think, you know, it would be nice to maybe have a, a dress watch or something in there, but it would be uh we just need to think carefully about how we how we do that in a, and keep our style and attitude about it. Uh, but yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think you want to go cold water swimming, swimming in a dress watch. No, no, no maybe not. I wouldn't wouldn't recommend that. Wouldn't recommend that. Absolutely. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, discovering how you set up the company, what the spirit of the company is and, and where the future is going. We wish you the very best of luck. Certainly from my perspective, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, wearing it. It's um, great acknowledgement of your tradition and history as well as the tradition and history of the, the whole genre of dive watches. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what comes next. No, thank you so much, Anthony. And it's, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to talk with you. And I'm really glad to hear that you've enjoyed wearing the watch. So that's, that's fantastic. Thank you.